The Productive Woman, Episode 133. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast dedicated to productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, I thought I would share with you one of the books that have been influential in my thinking about productivity and making a life that matters and talk about some of the important concepts from that book. You'll find links and additional information in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 133. This episode is brought to you by my The Productive Woman Mastermind Groups. If you're looking for encouragement, motivation, accountability in achieving your goals and moving forward in a life that matters, I'd invite you to consider joining us in the next session of the Productive Woman Mastermind Groups. Now, these are paid mastermind groups facilitated by me personally and focused on you. These are very small groups of women committed to making a life that matters and to supporting and encouraging each other toward accomplishing their goals. The groups meet weekly via video conference and they share goals, wins, struggles, and ideas for overcoming the obstacles that sometimes stand between us and the meaningfully productive lives that we want. New groups are forming right now to start the first week of May, but spaces are very limited. I only accept five women into each group. So if you're interested, visit my work with me page, which you'll find at theproductivewoman.com slash mastermind. And there you'll find more information, some audio testimonials from former and current masterminders, and a link to the short online application. I would encourage you not to wait because as I said, these fill up and they're very small groups. Um, If you have questions, need more information, email me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. I'd love to work with you. Hope to see you there. Okay, so let's get into this topic. This was actually suggested a while back by a listener who sent me an email with some thoughts about the show and asked if I'd consider, you know, sharing some of the books that I've read over the years that have been formative in my thinking about productivity and all those sorts of things. I have to confess, I have been a bookworm since elementary school. You know, at any given time, I'm reading more than one book, but certain books have been particularly influential in my thinking about what it means to to make a life that matters and how to be productive in the best sense of that term. So since this listener suggested that, I've been thinking about it, and I thought this was a good time to start doing that. So going forward, from time to time, I'll do an episode where I'll share with you some of these books and my key takeaways from them. I've talked in the past, I think it was episode um, 32, uh, I talked have talked about Greg McKeown's book, uh, Essentialism, which is probably one of the most important books I've read in the last few years. Uh, Since I've already talked about it, and I'll probably talk about it again in the future, but this time I want to focus on a book that I have read in just the past few months. It was a gift from a woman I met when I spoke to a women's group that she's a part of. She and I met separately later, and she gave me a copy of this book as a gift and encouraged me to check it out. And it's called The One Thing. It's a book by a man named Gary Keller. 
And as some background from his website, his, his bio there says that Gary Keller is the founder and chairman of the board for Keller Williams Realty, which is the world's largest real estate franchise by agent count. He has been a finalist for Inc. Magazine's Entrepreneur of the Year Award uh, and is recognized as one of the most influential leaders in the real estate industry, which was interesting to me because I, in my day job is as a real estate attorney and has led his company to 30 consecutive years of growth and profitability. And this book really tells the story of how he came to learn some things and implement some things in his life and in his company that made his company successful and made him, I think he would say, a, a happier and, and more fulfilled man. And so I'm going to share some of the key points from the book uh, in the author's own words. I'm going to actually read some important sections of the book to you with my thoughts about it. Uh, the impact that it's had on me. If you have read this book, I would love to hear what you think about it. So you can share your thoughts about the book in the comments section of the show notes at theproductivewoman.com slash 133. Or feel free to, you know, jump in and start a conversation about it in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group. I'd, I'd love to hear other people's thoughts about this book. So here are some of the, the, my key takeaways from The One Thing by Gary Keller. First of all, kind of uh, some general concepts that he talks about that caught my attention, where he says, for big results, go small. And here I'm quoting from the book. He says, going small is ignoring all the things you could do and doing what you should do. It's recognizing that not all things matter equally and finding the things that matter most. It's a tighter way to connect what you do with what you want. And I really like that um, because so often what we do uh, is not moving us in the direction of what we want. And that's a big focus of this book is understanding what is it that you want out of your life and do the things that will get that for you. Continuing with the quote from the book, he says, it's realizing, this is going small, that is, is realizing that extraordinary results are directly determined by how narrow you can make your focus. And this next section I just thought was so interesting. Uh, it really spoke to me because I have a tendency to kind of go a lot of different directions, trying to accomplish a lot of things. And he says, the way to get the most out of your work and your life is to go as small as possible. Most people think just the opposite. They think big success is time-consuming and complicated. As a result, their calendars and to-do lists become overloaded and overwhelming. Success starts to feel out of reach, so they settle for less. Unaware that big success comes when we do a few things well, they get lost trying to do too much and in the end accomplish too little. Over time, they lower their expectations, abandon their dreams, and allow their life to get small. That is the wrong thing to make small. When I read that, I underlined it. And, and this I don't underline a lot of books. I don't like to mark them up. I like my books to be kind of pristine. But this just, I recognized myself in that paragraph. And it was really... He really caught my attention. This kind of comes early in the book, and it really caught my attention and got me thinking. He goes on to say, you have only so much time and energy, so when you spread yourself out, you end up spread thin. You want your achievements to add up, 
but that actually takes subtraction, not addition. You need to be doing fewer things for more effect instead of doing more things with side effects. So for big results, he says, go small. And he talks more in the book about what that means. But I just thought that was so powerful. Uh, he also said, the moon is reachable if you prioritize everything and put all of your energy into accomplishing the most important thing. And that's really a theme throughout the book that you can accomplish what matters most to you. And isn't that what we talk about on this show? But you accomplish that not by trying to do lots of stuff, but finding out what is the most important thing and putting your time and your energy and attention into that. He talks in the book about goal setting to the now, um, which is where you start with your, what he calls a someday goal, the big picture thing that you want to accomplish in your life, and then breaking it down into, um, you know, a five-year goal and a one-year goal and a one-month goal, and in, all the way down until you get to what is the one thing I can do today that will move me toward where I want to go. And he actually says it a better way than that. But I, I, I could read the whole book to you, but that wouldn't be very, you can buy the audio book for that. But I wanted to point that out, the, his, his, um, his concept of goal setting to the now, I thought was really helpful. Another kind of general concept that he spoke about early in the book that really caught my attention was, and here I'm quoting him, no one is self-made. So he talks about everybody has the one thing, um, and he says in everybody's life there is the one person. He says every, and I'm quoting again, everyone has one person who either means the most to them or was the first to influence, train, or manage them. No one succeeds alone. No one. And I thought that's an important reminder. Um, it, it, some conversations have come up recently where, where women I know are trying to accomplish so much and not ask for help. We have that in our heads. We've just got to do it all. But he's very much about recognizing and giving credit to the people, the, especially the one person in your life who has been influential in getting you from you know, where you were to where you are today. The next thing I wanted to talk about, um, a concept or a section of the book that he talks about, are the six lies between you and success. And, you know, when he, he talks about success, whether it's in business or in life or whatever, and, you know, I could, we could use success as a shorthand for a life that matters, however you define that. Um, the six lies, the things that he says are lies that stand between us and accomplishing, you know, having a successful, meaningful life are, first of all, everything matters equally. Number two is multitasking, which we've talked about in previous episodes several times. Number three is a disciplined life. Number four is willpower is always on will call. Number five is a balanced life. And number six is big is bad. And these are all really interesting in the book. I can't talk about them all. So I'm going to focus on a couple of them, starting with the lie about all things mattering equally. And he really spent some time talking about this, um, that, that this idea that everything matters equally all the things in our life or all the things we want to do or all the things we dream of or whatever, that uh, everything is equal. He says that's a lie and that prevents us from accomplishing what really matters to us. 
a couple of things he says about that. And here's one that I thought was, you know, I recognize myself at times a little bit in this. He says, lacking a clear formula for making decisions, we get reactive and fall back on familiar, comfortable ways to decide what to do. As a result, we haphazardly select approaches that undermine our success. Pinballing through our day like a confused character in a B-horror movie, we end up running up the stairs instead of out the front door. The best decision gets traded for any decision, and what should be progress becomes a trap. That's what happens to us when we, we think everything is important and everything's equally important. He, he says that's a lie, and I, if you read this section in the book, you really start to understand that you know, it can seem that way when we're looking at all the options in front of us or all our obligations, our commitments, or whatever, but the fact is a few things will rise to the top as being more important. And out of those, there's always one thing that's the most important. And that may be different for each of us. Um, he goes on to say here, um, when everything feels urgent and important, everything seems equal. We become active and busy, but this doesn't actually move us any closer to success. Activity is often unrelated to productivity, and busyness seldom takes care of business. I thought that was so important. We've talked about that on the show in the past. But again, activity is often unrelated to productivity, and busyness seldom takes care of business. Then he says, knocking out a hundred tasks for whatever reason is a poor substitute for doing even one task that's meaningful. Not everything matters equally, and success isn't a game won by whoever does the most. I just think that's so important. I want to say that again, and I'm going to paraphrase him a little bit to sort of fit it into the context of what we talk about on this show. So he says, not everything matters equally. And we could say, and making a life that matters isn't a game won by whoever does the most. Here was something else that he said that I thought was so good. He says, it seems that everywhere we turn, we're encouraged to make lists. And though lists are invaluable, they have a dark side. While to-dos serve as a useful collection of our best intentions, they also tyrannize us with trivial, unimportant stuff that we feel obligated to get done because it's on our list. That really stopped me because, of course, you know, I've talked about on the show, I'm a big fan of lists. I'm all about writing things down. But how often do we do, you know, put things on there that maybe seemed meaningful at one point, but as time goes on, they're not as meaningful, not as important, and yet we feel like we need to do them because it's on the list. I got to get it done. We have a hard time just taking things off the list. So, you know, here's my question to you and to myself. Can we learn that it's okay to cross things off our list without doing them? You know, interesting. Um, he talks about the difference between, you know, average people and people who really achieve things. He says, achievers have an eye for the essential. They pause just long enough to decide what matters and then allow what matters to drive their day. Achievers do sooner what others plan to do later and defer, perhaps indefinitely, what others do sooner. The difference isn't in intent, but in right of way. Achievers always work from a clear sense of priority. And he talks about the Pareto's principle, that 80-20 rule, that 
20% of the actions we take or the inputs we get or whatever lead to 80% of the results. And that, there's science behind that. As he puts it, the majority of what you want will come from the minority of what you do. And so the process, as he talks about it, and, and, and as you know, the more I've thought about it, the more valuable I think this is, is we start from a large list of possible things, but we whittle it down to the one thing that's essential, from the many to the critical few to the one thing. And as he said, and I mentioned this earlier, there will always, no matter how it seems like everything we're looking at is equally important, there will always be just a few things that matter more than the rest. And out of those, one thing will matter most. And then he finishes this section, or toward the end of the section, saying, the truth is that things don't matter equally, and success is found in doing what matters most, or a life that matters is found in doing what matters most. Doing the most important thing, he says, is always the most important thing. So I thought that was really valuable, really important to realize that not everything in front of us matters equally. Another lie that he talks about that we've touched on in the show more than once is multitasking, that multitasking is a lie that stands between us and a life that matters. Uh, when you try to do two things at once, you either can't or won't do either well. He says, um, you know, and he talks about some science behind all of this, but that people can actually do two or more things at once, such as walk and talk or chew gum and read a map. But like computers, what we can't do is focus on two things at once. And reading that really reminded me and continues to remind me to think about how many times I try to do more than one thing at a time and do uh, both poorly. Uh, we, we multitask, you know, we try to multitask because we have so much to do and we think we, there's not time to just focus on one thing at a time. But he says, and I really do agree with him on this, he says, it's not that we have too little time to do all the things we need to do. It's that we feel the need to do too many things in the time we have. Um, you know, he, he, he also says, you simply can't effectively focus on two important things at the same time. Every time we try to do two or more things at once, we're simply dividing up our focus and dumbing down all of the outcomes in the process. That really is true. There's so much science behind that. And it's something that as a result of reading this book, really, I've started to think about more and more. And I'm trying to get better ab about focusing on one thing at a time. One of the things that I thought was significant, um, you know, the, the attempt to multitask, which is really focus shifting or focus dividing, it doesn't only affect the efficiency and the quality of our work, it also affects our relationships with the people who matter to us. And um, in this section of the book, he quoted another writer saying, the people we live with and work with on a daily basis deserve our full attention. When we give people segmented attention, piecemeal time, switching back and forth, the switching cost is higher than just the time involved. We end up damaging relationships. Something to ponder. 
Uh, the, an, another lie that he talks about is is in a chapter called about the disciplined life, and it's, this is all about the idea that the secret to success and achievement is living a very disciplined life. This kind of ties to his uh, another chapter where he talks about how willpower is not what we need, and this really caught my attention. Really, really struck me, and I thought this was so valuable. Um, and here I'm quoting again. He says, "You don't need to be a disciplined person to be successful." In fact, you can become successful with less discipline than you think for one simple reason. Success is about doing the right thing, not about doing everything right. The trick to success is to choose the right habit and bring just enough discipline to establish it. As this habit becomes part of your life, you'll start looking like a disciplined person, but you won't be one. What you will be is someone who has something working for you because you regularly worked on it. You'll be a person who used selected discipline to build a powerful habit. And this really echoes um, something, that, some things that I read in another book, um, Charles Duhigg's book, The Power of Habit. And I'll probably talk about that at some point, but it's the same kind of thing. It's not discipline, it's habit that, that drives success, that, that helps us master the things that are important. The right discipline, he says, goes a long way, and habits are hard only in the beginning. Habits require much less energy and effort to maintain than to begin. Sustain the discipline long enough on one habit, and not only does it become easier, but so do other things as well. Build one habit at a time. Success is sequential, not simultaneously. So trying to change lots of things or develop lots of new habits at, at a time it's not as effective as working on one habit to establish one habit in your life, which actually makes it easier to establish the next one. He, he says super successful people aren't superhuman at all. They've just used selected discipline to develop a few significant habits, one at a time, over time. And if you are what you repeatedly do, then achievement isn't an action you take, but a habit you forge into your life. So again, the idea isn't to exercise strict discipline and iron willpower, but to develop the right habits in your life and let them take over and propel you to success. Uh, another of the lies is a balanced life. And this, um, he says that the idea that the goal is a balanced life is a lie that prevents us on focusing on the most important things. And this again ties back to his assertion that are, all things are not equally important, so they don't deserve equal time or attention. He says, purpose, meaning, significance, these are what make a successful life. Seek them and you will most certainly live your life out of balance, crisscrossing an invisible middle line as you pursue your priorities. The act of living a full life by giving time to what matters is a balancing act. Extraordinary results require focused attention and time. Time on one thing means time away from another. This makes balance impossible. And reading this made me think, you know, maybe balance is a verb. It's something we do, not a place we can be. Something to consider. Uh, he goes on to say, leaving some things undone is a necessary trade-off for extraordinary results. To achieve 
an extraordinary result, you must choose what matters most and give it all the time it demands. This requires getting extremely out of balance in relation to all other work issues. So that's, you know, at work, that's how you get an extraordinary result. Find that one thing that's most important and give it all the time that it needs, setting aside other less important things. And then he goes on to say, in your personal world, awareness is the essential ingredient. Awareness of your spirit and body, awareness of your family and friends, awareness of your personal needs. None of these can be sacrificed if you intend to have a life, so you can never forsake them for work or one for the other. Going on, the question of balance is really a question of priority. Extraordinary results demand that you set a priority and act on it. When you act on your priority, you'll automatically go out of balance, giving more time to one thing over the other. Um, and if you think of life as, you know, your life being made up of or things that go into your life, going into, you know, buckets, for instance, when it comes to work, as he puts it, your work life is divided into two distinct areas, what matters most and everything else. So those are some of the, you know, uh, some of the key points uh, from the six lies that he talks about. He also talks about the three commitments that are uh, necessary for a successful, meaningful life. Uh, they are adopt the mindset of someone seeking mastery, uh, number two, continually seeking the best ways of doing things. And number three, be willing to be held accountable to doing everything you can to achieve your one thing. There is so much good stuff in this chapter. Um, it's, I forget what chapter it is, um, but I, I can't discuss it all. I, I don't want to have this be an hour-long episode. I want to focus, though, on number three, the accountability one. Some of the stuff he says about that is so important. He says, taking complete ownership of your outcomes by holding no one but yourself responsible for them is the most powerful thing you can do to drive your success. Accountable people achieve results others only dream of. He says, when life happens, you know, stuff happens to you in your life, you can be either the author of your life or the victim of it. Those are your only two choices, accountable or unaccountable. Every day we choose one approach or the other, and the consequences follow us forever. I want that to soak in. I think that is so important for all of us. We can look around and blame our circumstances or our situation for our lack of results or for how we're feeling, but that's not productive, it's not helpful, and it won't get us to a life that matters. I want, I'm going to read this again because I just think it's so important. When life happens, you can be either the author of your life or the victim of it. Those are your only two choices, accountable or unaccountable. Every day we choose one approach or the other, and the consequences follow us forever. Love that. Um, uh, he, Keller suggests finding an accountability partner, which he divides, you know, he says there are various kinds. Uh, it can be a mentor, a peer, or a coach, and he kind of describes the roles each of those uh, 
play in your life. Um, he says an accountability partner, and this is true whether it's a mentor, a peer, or a coach. He tends to favor coaches, and he gives lots of reasons why uh, they can be more helpful. But he says an accountability partner provides frank, objective feedback on your performance, creates ongoing expectations for productive progress, and can provide critical brainstorming or even expertise when needed. I thought that was great. Um, so something to consider. And I would love it if, um, you know, within the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, uh, if those who are looking for an accountability partner might find one there. Uh, he talks in chapter 17 about the four thieves. There's great stuff in this chapter. I don't have time to talk about it, but I just wanted to mention them, that, uh, that he discusses them and how they steal from us. And they are the four thieves are the inability to say no, the fear of chaos, poor health habits, and an environment that doesn't support your goals. Real quickly, the key tools that he talks about in this book for achieving what really matters to you I, this was so important and, and very um, influential for me. Those, those are to time block your one thing and to protect your time block. So time blocking your one thing means scheduling time on your calendar for your one thing, whatever that is, and make everything else fit around that instead of trying to fit your one thing into your schedule. Uh, he's, he's real big on taking a big chunk of, of time every day to spend on your one thing, whatever that is. Uh, he says, if disproportionate results come from one activity, then you must give that one activity disproportionate time. Each and every day, ask this focusing question for your block time. And this focusing question is kind of a big deal in the book. And here's what the focusing question is. Today, what's the one thing I can do for my one thing such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? Um, so that's the question you ask yourself in determining what to spend your time block on. He says, time blocking works on the premise that a calendar records appointments, but doesn't care who those appointments are with. So when you know your one thing, make an appointment with yourself to tackle it. Uh, he says, to ex achieve extraordinary success and experience greatness, time block these three things in the following order. So you time block, first of all, you time block your time off. He says, when you intend to be successful, you start by protect, protecting time to recharge and reward yourself. Resting is as important as working. The second thing you time block that is scheduled chunks of time for is your one thing. He says, the most productive people, the ones who experience extraordinary results, design their days around doing their one thing. Their most important appointment each day is with themselves, and they never miss it. Um, as I said, he, he suggests, uh, he actually recommends blocking four hours a day to spend on your one thing. And I, to me, that's an aspirational goal. I, I'm not there yet. And he suggests doing it as early in your day as you can. So the first key tool is to time block your one day, to schedule that time in your week, on, put it on your calendar, that appointment with yourself to work on whatever that one thing is uh, that's most important for you. And then the second piece is to protect your time block. Guard it against encroachments. Uh, he says, the world doesn't know your purpose or priorities and isn't responsible for them. You are. So it's your job to protect your time block from all those who don't know what matters most to you and from yourself 
when you forget. I thought that was good. It's real easy for us to make these appointments and then shove them aside because we forget how important that thing is for us. He recommends posting a sign in your workspace that says, until my one thing is done, everything else is a distraction. I thought that was kind of a good idea. Then he says, the last thing that can knock you off your time block is when you can't free your mind. Day in and day out, your own need to do other things instead of your one thing may be your biggest challenge to overcome. I know it is for me. Life doesn't simplify itself the moment you simplify your focus. There's always other stuff screaming to be done, always. So when stuff pops into your head, just write it down on a task list and get back to what you're supposed to be doing. In other words, do a brain dump, then put it out of sight and out of mind until its time comes. Uh, I thought that was a great idea. If you've scheduled that time, that block of time to work on your most important, your one thing, as he calls it, um, other things come to mind. Have a list there, or your task manager open, just jot a note in there, and then get back to business. He talks a lot in the book about purpose, priority, and productivity. Um, I, I want to, I don't want to go too deep into this, but there's just so much good stuff in this book. Uh, one of the things he says here is your big one thing is your purpose and your small one thing is the priority you take action on to achieve it. The most productive people start with purpose and use it like a compass. That's your, your North star, your guiding principle. Um, the prescription for extraordinary results is knowing what matters to you and taking daily doses of actions in alignment with it. Okay, well, let me say that again. Your, the prescription for extraordinary results is knowing what matters to you and taking daily doses of actions in alignment with it. Knowing what matters to you, being aware of what your true values are what's most important to you, and then taking action every day in alignment with that priority. At one point, he says, knowing why you're doing something provides the inspiration and motivation to give the extra perspiration needed to persevere when things go south. Sticking with something long enough for success to show up is a fundamental requirement for achieving extraordinary results. Um, uh, I love this. He says, the surest path to happiness happens when you make your life about something bigger, when you bring meaning and purpose to your everyday actions. So it's all about discovering your big why. And there's a lot more in the book that kind of goes into that. But discovering your big why, and that will bring meaning and purpose to the things you do every day. Um, and if you're not sure what's the right direction, he says, you know, you can find out on the way, pick a direction, start marching down that path, see how you like it. We can choose to overcome the paralysis that comes from not being sure of the right path. If there are lots of things where we think we're interested and we're having a hard time sort of, um, getting past that, um, you know, that idea that, well, they're all equal, they all could be good. Or what if I pick the wrong one? That's kind of my, my struggle. Just pick one, start heading in that direction, see how it feels. You can always recalibrate. Uh, I thought this was good. I'm trying to wrap this up, but there's some really good, thoughtful things to consider. He says, when each day begins, we each have a choice. We can ask, what shall I do? 
or what should I do? Without direction, without purpose, whatever you shall do will always get you somewhere. But when you're going somewhere on purpose, there will always be something you should do that will get you where you must go. When your life is on purpose, living by priority takes precedence. Purpose has the power to shape our lives only in direct proportion to the power of the priority we connect it to. Purpose without priority is powerless. We have to choose to take action on what's matter, what matters to us. Uh, he says, the truth is we have goals and plans for only one reason, to be appropriate in the moments of our lives that matter. While we may pull from the past and forecast the future, our only reality is this present moment. Right now is all we have to work with. Our past is but a former now. Our future is a potential one. Oh my goodness, you know, take that to heart. This, this is so significant. We can look to the past. We can, you know, dream of the future. But as he says, our only reality is the present moment. Right now is all we have to work with. To me, uh, you know, as I read this, the notes I wrote down are, a life that matters is a collection of moments that matter. I also wrote down that a life that matters isn't something we plan for someday. It's what happens when we make this moment right now matter. And I hope you will hear that and realize that a, a life that matters isn't out there someday. It's right now, this moment. If we make this moment matter and the next moment matter and the next moment matter, that's how we create a life that matters. And he, you know, it's funny because I made that note and then I read further and he, he kind of says the same thing. The truth about success is that our ability to achieve extraordinary results in the future lies in stringing together powerful moments one after the other. What you do in any given moment determines what you experience in the next. So... Wrapping kind of things up, uh, he talks about the journey and he talks, you know, we talked about going uh, to, to achieve big, you have to go small. He's, he also says, living the largest life possible requires you not only to think big, but also to take the necessary actions to get there. And he says, there is no surefire thing, but there's always something, one thing that out of everything matters more than anything. I'm not saying there will only be one thing or even the same thing forever. I'm saying that at any moment in time, there can be only one thing. And when that one thing is in line with your purpose and sits atop your priorities, it will be the most productive thing you can do to launch you toward the best you can be. I just thought that was so great. And I wanted to wrap up real quick with um, at, toward the end of the book, he, he cites to the work of an author named Bonnie Ware, who wrote a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. This was published in 2012. I'll put a link in the show notes. And this woman was a caregiver to dying people and asked them about their regrets. And uh, it, the top five that she mentions in the book, which I haven't read, read but it's on my list to read soon, uh, the top five regrets that dying people told her they had were, 
I wish I'd let myself be happier, which tells us that happiness is a choice. And we know that. We've talked about that before, right? Uh, Number two is I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. Number three is I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Number four is I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Other things matter more. And number five, and, and this was far and away the most commonly expressed regret, is I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me. I read that and it really spoke to me, and I, and I hope it speaks to you, that we don't want to have those regrets when we come to the end of our life. We can choose to make a life that matters by making this moment matter and the next moment matter. Um, and there's so much more in this book that I think is worthwhile and really spoke to me and really has made me think, um, as a side note, that you can find a lot more information and resources at um, the website for it. It's called The One Thing, and the one is a number. So theonething.com. Find out more about the authors. They have a blog there, a podcast, some goal-setting worksheets and things that you can download. Uh, so lots of stuff there. So what it, what impact? I've shared with you kind of my key takeaways from the book. This is longer than I meant for it to be, and I apologize for that. But it's it's such an important book. Some of the actions that I've taken as a result, uh, it, it has certainly made me more aware of the choices I'm making about how to spend my time from day to day and moment to moment. I have spent time thinking about what my one thing is, and I'm working to be more intentional about how I plan my days using that approach of time blocking my one thing and protecting that time against encroachment. I've made some changes in my life that I'll talk about more in in later episodes. Um, And I've evaluated my commitments and gave up some long-time activities, things that I've done for a long time that they didn't take up a lot of time, but they were recurring and really weren't consistent with my one thing. So I let them go on purpose to make room for the most important things for this next season in my life, which, as I said, I'll I'll talk a little bit more about that in an upcoming episode. Um, And so this book has really had an impact on me. Yeah, I as I said, if if um, if you've read it, if you like it, if you didn't like it, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So share those in the comments section or on the on the web page. And so you know that those are my thoughts. But what do you think? Do you know what your one thing is? What's most important to you? And are you taking action on it? I would love to hear about that. You can share your thoughts on in the comment section of the show notes at theproductivewoman.com slash 133, or you can post a comment or question on uh, the Productive Woman's Facebook page or in the community Facebook group. Either way, I'd love to to have a conversation with you about it. If you want to share your thoughts with me privately, you can email those to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, and I will be sure and get back to you. Uh, Last reminder, if you're thinking about joining one of the paid Productive Woman Masterminds, let me hear from you soon. Uh, We're going to be starting up new groups. Uh, I've had such a great time working with the women in the the groups for this winter session, which is wrapping up now. Uh, I'd love to have you be part of the spring session of the Productive Woman Mastermind. But as I've said, the spaces are limited. Don't wait. Visit the Work With Me page on the website, which you'll find at theproductivewoman.com slash mastermind. You'll find more information and a link to the online application. 
and let me hear from you. If you have questions, email me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you for spending this time with me. I I hope you found it helpful. Uh, Again, I'd like to hear your feedback on this. I look forward to hearing from you and I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.